When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another episode of The Blathering. Hey, everybody, I'm Ken Napsack. What is this, 74? I, why I should write this down on a big billboard. Um, anyways, happy to be here. We're going to maybe get to some serious things. Uh, it's one of those weeks, but I, I promise not to be too long with it. Uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, you got to hang out with me on the Patreon pre-roll. Not live. Maybe one day we'll do it live. Uh, Patreon pre-roll uh, is a chance for me to just kind of get the words out of my mouth before I start the proper episode of The Blathering. Uh, look for that if you want to support me on Patreon. Any level gets it. A uh, new episode of Our Biggest Win is in the in the uh, works with Robbie Smith. Listen to episode two. Go back and listen to episode one, which is referenced a lot in episode two. Also, happy to announce years, uh, a couple years ago, uh, but years after I decided to stop doing interviews on the Knapsack Files, which is still this feed. It's the very same feed I've had since 2013. I stopped trying to. I stopped doing interviews for various reasons. Some of it was I just I love the people I was interviewed uh, interviewing and felt we got some good stuff, but I, I just I tired of it, right? And and also um, I used to love bringing people into the house, um, but that, that that can be a little difficult. And but now uh, you know remote makes it possible, and remote opens up people across this great country or even the world. So. Uh, I'm planning to do that, and uh, the blathering uh, will come up with some title. You tell me what you want us to title. The blathering chats. The blather chats. I don't know, but uh, the blathering will be an expanding brand, if you're a uh, consultant, Um, as I uh, look to uh, keep doing what I'm doing here because I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, Also looking at, uh, uh, I can't announce completely what I've worked, uh, got working on. But uh, some of the spirit of Saturday Night Napsuck will return in a, in a quarterly audio format um, that will be, I'll just say it like a flight attendant, available for purchase. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I'm working on some stuff there. Anyways, let's get to the show. I, I'm releasing this one when I normally do. I apologize. I, I explain this in more detail with more swear words on the Patreon pre-roll show. But uh, yeah, I... Um I forgot to do a show last week. Actually, just forgot to do a show. My schedule, my normal schedule for recording this show is on like Tuesday night. I get it up to the Patreon page first and the release of the public maybe Wednesday, some point Wednesday. Uh, but the uh, my schedule's changed a little bit. And because of that, I've been like, well, I'll record it Wednesday, record it Thursday, record it Friday, maybe record it Saturday. And uh, I just forgot last week. And But in that, not in that completely like out of mind, like I didn't know I had the blathering to record. Um, I actually <laughs> like thought I recorded and released an episode, but I didn't. So I'm here. I'm here. I'm recording this one uh, on the night of September 11th, 22 years after the attacks on America, a day that we should never forget. And I did want to talk about that, even though I'm releasing this episode a day or two after. And I think that's okay. Because maybe some of the uh, discourse around all that will uh, die out. Um, I just got to say what I want to say about this. Um, 
I'm a person that is, uh, I have to admit, has some sort of a, a, a macabre obsession with 9-11. Uh, I am not, I'll say right now, no surprise for those that have listened to me, I'm not a conspiracy theorist on it. Um, there are no conspiracies to be had, shared, believed. None. None. And when I say I'm obsessed with it, it, it it's a th- thing I live through here on the West Coast. I want to be clear about that. Uh, I don't want to be one of those people that lies about, oh, I was on the 13th floor. No, like that comic character. <clears throat> but like so many people, it happened in front of me, right? And I had been around for, um, I remembered foggy memories of John Lennon being killed, like early, early memories. I, um, I remember Reagan being shot, but early foggy, foggy memories. I remember the Challenger being pulled out, picked up from school and, being told what had happened. I didn't, we didn't watch it in our classroom, but I experienced that from a certain point of view and other things, you know. Um, the OJ trial, the OJ tr- chase, uh, Waco played out on my birthday, the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, all those things. We all have those things. And if you're a little bit older, you have, you have other uh, memories, right? Uh, my mom will describe in detail hearing over the PA system in her high school that, that John F. Kennedy had been shot. We all have those. Society has those. But in America, we we have those, right? We have these moments. And they do transcend America and they go to the world and the world feels them and shares them and all that stuff. But uh, there's so many other countries in the world where just horrific things like this happen all the time. Not just uh, assassinations and shuttles exploding, but just war and strife and terror and all those kind of things. So uh, I, I want to acknowledge that from the start. But but But... For me, when I say I'm obsessed with 9-11, I almost, I almost want to make – I almost tweeted this out. It would have been a horrible joke, and, and I don't even mean it as a joke. But, like, I'm always like, oh, it's 9-11 season, meaning I have friends who are like, oh, it's Halloween. Oh, it's Christmas. I have to be honest. I have to say that. I don't mean it as an insensitive joke. But as, as we work towards every year to this, this anniversary, and now it's 22 years, and it's crazy to me, I – I pay attention to it in a way that maybe sometimes is a question if it's healthy. Um, I watch all the docs. Yeah, I love my doc, my documentaries and everything, but I watch them. I go on YouTube and I watch the news footage as it happened. Um, and I'll do this. Sometimes I don't even just, I don't even do it in, in August leading to September. So sometimes in July, I'll think about it. And it comes from a lot of places and, 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 and Grace will understandably uh, give me a, a little crap about it. <laughs> Coming home, she's like, I don't want to see this. You know, I was a lot younger than you. This is this is a certain kind of trauma I don't want to deal with, which is 100% right and 100% right for her. So I'll, I'll try to watch it when she's not around. I don't get anything out of it. I get What I get out of it is, is, is um, trying to understand it. I can't, because I have a, a, that public safety background where I, even though my job is mostly boring, I don't, I'm not lying when I say every day I drove to my job especially when I was a security director, not just an officer or supervisor, but like when I was in charge of it and people would look to me every day, I played out scenarios. Could this be the day that could this? So this, it's always been a focus and you hear all those stories and, and, and you see what happened and you see the horrors. I am someone who wants to face those particular horrors. 
at, at what happened in New York, uh, at the Pentagon, and outside and, DC, and, and, and of course in, in Shanksville, the United 93. I, I feel as though I need to try to understand him. I feel as though I need to try to see them through the eyes of those that experienced the horrors up front. I, I, and that includes people just in New York, uh, around and who saw it or were there or had to run away. And I, I, and I, I question myself about it, but it's like my thing. It's one of my things. And I have, I have a friend, I won't out that friend, a friend who's in the same boat as me. We share text and notes. Um, and we even joke within ourselves that this is, that we've got a problem. But this year really struck me because I've changed a lot politically and, and, and just um, how I express myself about the politics and the social issues of the world. And it's been a different take, especially 22 years ago. And I just got to say, like, the, the, the discourse around 9-11 and everything about it is, is, is sometimes um, it's troubling to me. And there's always been... A level of putting the conspiracy stuff aside. There's sometimes a level of cynicism from those, even those around me. There's the the mocking tone of never forget, uh, the mocking tone of of, uh, of the flags and the, the, what other people tweet out, and and that, that affected me this year. But also, because I'm a never forget person, and a lot of my friends are. Without a doubt, what has happened since then, 22 years ago, is phrases and things like never forget American flags, thin blue line flags, Punisher stickers. Without a doubt, you can trace so much of the split to, I think, the 2000 election, 9-11, a couple years after 9-11, the war on terror, as it just kind of goes out. And... The problem I have with the cynical people, I know where they're coming from because sadly, if if you see someone tweet out, hey, it's 9-11, never forget, I often question the the, the motives and, the, and, 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 and why. I think people use those kind of things, these symbols, they've, they've been, they have been taken from the reasonable. Um... I feel as though I should be able to say never forget and it not to cause snickers, not to cause eye rolls or not to cause any kind of anger or any kind of, oh, yeah, well, this. You know, the United States did this. Yeah, I did. I know they did. Yes, I know. We're also celebrating what 50 years of uh, CAA sponsored coup in Chile that 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 uh, put a, a horrible dictator in power. Like, yes, yes. But that's part of where I'm at. I don't think we should be cynical about 9-11. I don't think we should be cynical about the nearly 3,000 that died on that day. Uh, just like I don't want people to be cynical or conspiracy theory minded towards the hundreds and hundreds of thousands that died of, of, of COVID, right? Um, I don't think there should be cynicism on it. I don't think if you don't need to dwell on it and if it causes any kind of trauma or you were there or you lost someone, I, I know people who have lost people, but I didn't know any myself, uh, anyone directly. Um, if you don't want to stay in that, you shouldn't, right? That's the healthy thing to do. I don't need you to watch all the docs I do. I don't need you to watch all the, all the traumatic and tragic footage that I watch on these docs. I, I don't need you to, to watch that if it hurts you or if it's challenging to you, right? 
But I do think as it's 22 years on, there's a responsibility to understand and explore the bigger picture and to not be afraid of any side of it. And that's where I see it. I, you know, I hate that term, any side or both sides. I, I hate that term. Um, but the, the different angles that people take towards this, this day, uh, some of them are younger and, and they don't understand. And this, this is almost like a boomer holiday to them. Right. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not poking the, the bear that is Gen Z or anything like that. But sometimes I feel that's some of the cynicism is, Oh God, nine 11. But uh, you know, maybe the generations like mine who didn't understand Pearl Harbor, um, Maybe that's how we acted. I, I don't necessarily remember that. I, I've always had a, 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 I'd like to think, a healthy respect and understanding of, of, of the tragedy in, uh, of Pearl Harbor and what that led to. But I think there's, my, one of my big problems with the younger generations now is every generation, I even have a stand-up bit about this, but every generation, the youngest generation, as they come up and they reach a certain age, maybe post-high school, You've got a certain kind of power. You're the next demographic that everyone's trying to sell things to. You're the next uh, generation that's going to take control. And you have a lot of thoughts on the world and you're forming things and you're emerging from the shadows of the generations that, that came before you. And so I think that fuels to me some of this, I don't want to say anti-9-11 sentiment, but not a full understanding. Because how could you understand? Just like I cannot understand uh, Pearl Harbor. I can't understand the the fall of Saigon. I, I it's two years before my life. My life began. Like I I, I can't. Right. I can't. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about Ronald Reagan as a president because history has shown me that that was not a a great administration for the world and society at large. Maybe, but I also um, have watched a lot of footage of the assassination attempt and have a healthy respect for that and the history of it and those that lived it, uh, and, and lived it in a way they understood it, because I kind of remember it, but I don't remember it, right? I've gone back and watched the footage and been like, holy crap, that was, that was a young Sam Donaldson on the TV? I didn't know that when I was watching it. I've, I've tried to do my part to understand it and understand those that are affected by it, and that's one thing I, I think some of the, sometimes, sometimes the younger generation can, can really do a bad job. This current younger generation can do a bad job what with their, uh, you know, their, their TikTok videos, I sound like an old man, of, of really understanding those and having empathy for those that were there for those kind of things, right? If, if you didn't fully understand, if you didn't fully experience 9-11 that day, again, I'm in L.A., I'm not in New York, not, 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 not in D.C., I, but I experienced it as I watched it. And I experienced it in a, in a way where we all, my roommates and I joked, I had some great jokes that day, talking about gallows humor, because we couldn't process anything. We also were kind of terrified. I, I, we didn't live near downtown LA, but there was a thought of, what do we do? Are they coming here? And and that um, uh, that night I ended up in the hospital with my first gallbladder attack, as it might have been just a cause as I stuffed pizza down my face, watching the news and trying to comprehend this. Sitting there, and I, I worked graveyards at, at that time, and sitting there and hearing uh, military jets, the only sound in the sky at 3 in the morning. I'll, I'll never forget the, the, the feeling. I'll never forget driving home uh, about a week after, driving to my parents' house in every, every part of the freeway that there was like a, you know, a bridge uh, as the freeway went over in an overpass type of situation, there'd be flags and, 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 and messages. I remember driving with tears in my eyes almost the entire two-hour drive from L.A. to my parents' house. And, and there's that kind of stuff. So if, if you didn't fully understand it, you went around, you don't, you, you, you don't grasp what we all went through and we all experienced. 
But then for those that went through it, um, there is this um, odd fascination with not just what happened, but with the never forget side of it. And again, I don't think we should forget it. And, and I've been to the memorial and I probably will go again. And when I get there, I'm pretty grumpy about anyone taking fucking photos. Not of the memorial, but the selfies and the, eh, we're here. Like, it's not just an old man talking. That's like, you're, you're not getting it. You're not feeling it. You're not understanding. But 22 years removed, we have a chance now more than ever, and we will as we go forward. I make jokes about, or, or references and jokes about, you know, the Reagan administration. History has shown some things. We now can go back these some 40 years and go, well, this policy and this and trickle down did this. And here's some things to consider. Maybe it's not all bad, but definitely here's the here's this. Here's that. And that's, by the way, you can you can you good. You could and you should do that for every president, no matter what letters in front of their name. But I think we have that going on with with 9-11 in a way. And I think there's some people. Who use that. I'll call it the never forget syndrome, who use it as a shield to those kind of realities that we all need to face so that we can understand, process, learn, try to be better. Uh, there is a great doc on Netflix I'm, I'm in the middle of watching. I highly recommend you all watch it if you can take it and you can watch this kind of stuff around 9-11. It, it's called 9-11 uh, 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 and the War on Terror, Turning, Turning, Turning the Tide, I believe is the title. Uh, but it's 9-11 and the War on Terror. It's on Netflix right now. It's a five-part series. And it's... It's got a lot of, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm such a, I, I have so many of the moments memorized down to the minute or down to the characters. Um, if I ever meet retired uh, chief uh, Joe Pfeiffer, uh, who was the first battalion chief on, um, on seed, I, I'm going to break down in tears and hug the guy. He's, he's, a, he's a national hero to me. Um, I'm so familiar with it, but this doc is presenting some new things, some things that I've never seen, angles, shots, photos, whatever, but it's focusing on things in a different way. But it's also focusing on the entire context of the moment and the entire history. And I'm, I'm going to do a bad summary of it. Um, but I think sometimes there are slings and arrows thrown at the never forget crowd that are justified. But there are slings and arrows thrown at the never forget crowd that are not justified. Um, you can weep and mourn and try to still process the traumas of, of, of the events of 9-11. American Flight 11, United 175, American 77, United 93, and those planes going into either the two towers, the Pentagon, or being crashed by um, passengers who, who decided to act on that day. You can take those stories, you can take those moments, and you can feel them, and you can still mourn, and you can still cry, and you can still be terrified, and you can still be moved. You can take the names of the 300-plus first responders who, um, who died that day running in and running up when everyone had to get out or was trying to get out. You can take those names and you can feel it. But you can still take all those feelings and correctly analyze how America got there, how America became a target, which does not make it right, does not make it right for the 19 of the 20 uh, uh, men that, that carried out the plot of Osama bin Laden and, and, and all his uh, 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 crew. 
you could study the history of how we got there, which traces back strongly to 1979, Russia's invasion of Afghanistan, the CIA uh, given billion dollars a year to support the 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 Mujahideen and 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 that battle, which was oddly enough depicted in great deal in a season five arc of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. It's an amazing political statement in those episodes. Highly recommend you watch The Clone Wars or get to that. Sorry, it promoted struck work. I'm trying not to. You can trace it from that. You can trace it to uh, 1988 where um, young Arab men from around uh, the world or, or those believing the cause uh, of the jihad uh, uh, pour on in to, uh, towards the end of the Russian-Afghanistan war uh, and, and they're called Al-Qaeda. And then you could also uh, trace it uh, with the Taliban taking over and the horrors of their reign. And, and you could trace all this. You could trace bin Laden. You, you could trace, you can go to the 1993 bombing. I was having this conversation with my friend. The 1993 World Trade Center bombing of the, 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 the bombs exploding in the, in the parking deck there. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you felt it wherever you were. That was a nothing to me. I was in high school. And yes, you're in high school. You might be focused on other, other, other things. But like, I, I look back and go, I don't even remember that. I remember it happening, but it was like something I was waiting for the sports report to come up. And that's maybe, yeah, you could say it's on me not getting involved and not paying attention to the world. But it wasn't like, like no one was, no one was paying too much attention to it, Right. And now we have this 24-second news cycle. There was, we're getting 24-hour news cycle, but it was still like the story of the week. And I remember the stories, but I engage with it. And now that is directly related to 9-11, how, how the, the embassy attacks, the USS coal bombing. And you, can, you should be able to trace that and to learn from it. And to learn of how we as Americans felt invincible for good reason. Since post-war, World War II, uh, we're kind of in the pole position of the world. Cold War was an interesting thing. You know, a lot of, I'm glad, I'm glad the generations that came after me didn't have to worry about, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting training for nuclear blast attacks. Um, you know, though, I will say I'd rather do that than having to look over your shoulder uh, at another school shooting every time. So maybe this generation has the right to be as cynical as they fucking want to be. But as the world, as the, uh, making a Billy Joel reference, right? We didn't start the fire. But it, it's all it's all leading to this. And, we, but we, and to go back, we felt invincible, right? Nothing was touching us. That was the thing. The, the, the World Trade Center bombing in 1993 was terror touching us. It was the war and hate that the rest of the world has to deal with almost on a daily basis coming to us. But we didn't, we, and people died in that attack, but we, it was just part of the news cycle. It was part of the pop culture. Cobain died that year too. That was probably more important than this. We felt invincible. We've always felt invincible. So part of the trauma on 9-11 is that we weren't invincible anymore. And that changed us. And it, it, it it's a truth. And I think there's there's too many too much of the conversation is pointing fingers at like how dare how dare we feel invincible and the towers come down and 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 you know almost like boohoo America. I, I, I'm not saying and by the way I'm not saying everyone's out there saying that stuff, 
But I, ha- I have, I've seen some people and I've seen people I know who have that kind of attitude about the situation. We caused some of this. We brought some of this on ourselves. Some, sometimes just because we're in the number one position, right? You win the Super Bowl, every other team's trying to gun for you the next year. That's unfortunately how the world works. So that led us there, but it doesn't take away from anything that happened. And I think this year, more than any other year, 9-11, I've spent time learning, focusing, ruminating as best I can in my small little way about how unplugged from the world I was up until 9-11. And America's innocence was lost. You heard that a lot. And people were saying that on that day. And it's true, by the way, right? One of the fascinations I have with that footage taken by one of the French brothers doing a documentary on a, 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 a New York City firefighter probie who joins, and, and, and that's the footage we all see as a chief fiver and his crew are checking on a, on a smell of gas in, in the street, and then they, they look up and they hear and they see and the first plane goes in the tower. That footage, one of, I think, of, uh, it's, it's the primary footage we have. I think there's three other uh, sources out there, a time-lapse video, someone having the explosion in the background, but that was, that was basically the only footage. Uh, uh, fate put these two French brothers in, 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 in being the eye of history. It's a fascinating doc uh, I've talked about often. But that moment fascinates me in, in, a, in a terrifying manner because that truly is when the world changed. It tru- you can pinpoint the moment the world changed forever in our lifetime. And I'm sure there's other moments in history that people have experienced that too. But that's a moment for us in our generations. You look up, as Chief Fiverr and his crew look up and hear and see a plane go into the Trade Center and that's, it's never the same from that point on. And that includes all the negative stuff. So just as I want to watch these dogs through to, to understand, um, and sometimes I have to admit, experience the horror as, in, in a weird, macabre way just to try to process it, just to wonder what would I do there, but for the grace of God, go I. I have to spend some time, and I've been trying to spend more time understanding how we got there, understanding the sins of our country that helped lead us there, understand the conceits and ego of our country that put us in this position, understand the conceits and ego of us as citizens that made us unaware that this could even happen. And not just that bad men would do evil things, but that our culture, this beacon beacon, uh, light of Christian capitalism in the world was not and has never been uh, a a shared joy. Our joy for ourselves has not necessarily been shared by everyone in the world. And that does not make others like them bad guys. Now there's, again, complicated areas. What do we do? We want to help those in Afghanistan to, to rid their potential and, and in truth, as it was happening, communist oppressors, the fight against communism, uh, put, uh, put stinger rockets in the hands of these men who would, who would uh, uh, kick Russia out of their country. Uh, 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 another defeat for a nation that talks a big game but never seems to uh, be able to, to back up those words as that's being experienced right now in Ukraine. And then those, those warriors are, are, are part of the, 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 the group, the, the, the ideologies that we're fighting later on. And, and it's complicated. And I don't understand it all. I'm trying to understand it all. I'm trying to look at it more closely. So to me, the idea of never forget should include that. It should include the time going up to it. And it should include the pain that happens and the horror that happens 
on that day. And then it also has to be about going forward. And that's kind of where I'm with this as well. My biggest problem with what I will say is to never forget crowd is those that use it as a shield to hide their own sins going forward that only keep these cycles of violence going more. I saw one time a little bit of a pushback. It got, it got put down online on Twitter against Adam Driver, um, one of our great actors, um, one of our potentially great souls. I've been, I've been within two feet from him at the Collider offices, but I've never spoken to him. In fact, we're all, we're all, all told, do not ask him about Kylo Ren. Um, he's an intense young man, um, but a deep soul who was in the military. And he was in the military for, in a large part because he, he watched those towers fall and, and, and felt like a lot of us, what do I got to do? I know several people who joined the military after that. I, you know, I'm surprised I didn't. Um, I, I, I'm surprised I didn't become a firefighter, quite frankly, after 9-11. And sometimes I wish I did, to be honest. Too old and out of shape now. Back then I was uh, lacking the confidence to make that kind of life decision. But I knew people I worked with who were like nuts to that. We're joining up. We're going to go fight. This is our Pearl Harbor and we can go fight. But the lines weren't as clear. It wasn't fighting Nazi Germany, much like Vietnam, which was something completely unclear and misguided, even with some of the best intentions interwoven in with that. Post 9-11, a lot of us did that. And, and then going back to the Adam Driver thing, there was this pushback against him. Oh, you know, but he was, why we, why we listen to Adam Driver? He was in the military. And I, I love our military, right? I do think we sleep under the blanket of the freedom they provide. And, and I think it's okay to question the, the way in which they provide it, though. Um, but I'm a, I'm a pro-military personnel person, even if I have questions about the military-industrial complex or the money and what we're doing and why we're doing it. I think we need to analyze that. And so that was the feeling I watched in my office, uh, the security office, the shock and awe campaigns of the early days of, of Iraq and, and, and the war in Afghanistan and all these things that went on, as we now know, far too long and, and far too brutal. But where we are now with a lot of the, I mean, January 6th of it all, where we all, where we all now does come out of this. It does come out of, out of 9-11. You can trace it not just in two political parties at war with each other, but people needing a place to put their, 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 their anger, their fear, and their strive for a power that they, they feel they don't have, right? We, we wanted to get back up from 9-11. We wanted to hit someone, which I think is an understandable feeling. We wanted to hit someone. We didn't know who to hit. Some would argue we... We found and made up people to hit. And definitely, there's no argument about it. The soul of our nation, I believe, got up and looked for the first brown person they could hit. And sometimes that was literal. More often than not, that was literal. 
And so we sit 22 years later where a lot of the people, and I have the friends and I know it, when they post a 9-11 post, when they post a never forget post, they use that as a shield to hide the sins that are going on. And that includes police and fire. There's a famous shot of an engine heading across one of the bridges and both towers are burning and everyone on that engine died that day. And there's a shot that goes around. You see it online. These six names. Uh, one of them was uh, about to retire, I know. Um, never forget these names. And, and, and you should never forget those names. But so many of the people I know on Facebook <laughs> that I used to work with post that picture with this attitude of never forget. But it seems like a lot of liberals forget now. And it drives me fucking crazy. Never forget is used as a shield. It's used as a shield to the sins of the police officers who go uh, 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 committing heinous, violent acts against the citizens they're sworn to protect. It goes against the, 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 the behaviors of some of these first responders that... Uh, uh, don't have a way to process their own traumas, so they hurt those around them in their own lives. Domestic violence is high in those groups. We use it to hide that, and we also use it to not to provide them the resources. John Stewart, God bless John Stewart, I'd vote for John, went from a, a, a comedian doing a political-minded comedy show that I, I used to, you know, I remember I voted for Bush twice, and I, I don't like John Stewart for a while. And look where he is now. A New Yorker through and through going to, to, to Congress, going to the government to fight for these rights. We, we, this never forget crowd puts up these photos, never forget, but it seems a lot, a lot of people do. Also, here's my thin blue line sticker, my Punisher sticker. Never forget, you liberal pussies. Never forget, because you do. And then those are the people that do not want to provide the help and the resources and the benefits for the cancer-stricken first responders who ran down there to help, Right? Never forget is used as a shield. I wish to God, for which we are one nation under, I wish to God that the American flag could be taken back from those who have uh, appropriated it from our own country. There's some people out there, I see this movement online. Because I... I, I (laughs) I think last time I was around my parents, I grumbled this and, and, you know, and I think I offended my mom. But, and I understand it because my mom has an American flag up. The American flag is not a, a, a negative symbol to me in my heart, but it certainly has become one. And that's something we have to be aware of. That post 9-11, a flag, a never forget, and a thin blue line, man, you can usually predict what kind of person that is in a day-to-day kind of way, right? And you don't want to be generalizing and you don't want you to bring, bring your own isms into the conversation, but you can pretty much take a wild stab at what they're going to be like and what they're going to say and who they're going to vote for. We, as a country, continued the circle of violence and hate that brought violence and hate to our doorstep by continuing post-9-11 to get up and try to punch someone. We didn't try to stop and figure it out. We wasted lives, we wasted money, we wasted a million on, on the war of terror. And it doesn't mean that everything is completely wrong. Maybe there's something justified in it. I'm reading a lot about that. I'm trying to educate myself as best I can on post 9-11 as well as pre. 
But one of the things I'm coming away with is, is, is just like I will defend the idea that we should never forget what happened that day. I will defend that idea to those who would be too cynical and too snarky and too out of touch with the realities of that day who would aim to tear down that feeling of never forget. I'll defend it, but also to those who hide behind it and make it their identity. You've got to slow down and analyze what that did. We, we, we took that conceit and that ego and that sense of invincibility that we lost on that day. We took it instead of doing any kind of self-reflection, instead of trying to figure out our, our place in this world and what we could do better. We did what so many in this country love to do. We leaped out with a sense of, with a sense of power. And I felt that too. I felt that too. I wanted us to go hit someone too. And that only undercut us. It only undercut us as a country. And I think we're still feeling that. I'm reading this great book. I keep telling you guys about uh, The Storm is Here at American Crucible. It is about uh, January 6th. It is about the year, two years prior to this, with the COVID lockdown kind of uh, um, um, protests leading Relatively directly to that. But even before that, the, the author, Luke Mogelson, who was a war reporter in all these areas that were part of our war on terror, he talked with, with haunting words in both an interview I saw and in the book about one of the things that struck him about this war on terror is post 9-11. 9-11 happens and it's a gut punch to our country and we all felt it. And part of the, the trauma was this is holy shit, it's here on our soil. That's something we don't comprehend, especially uh, the, the boomer and, 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 well, the boomers comprehend it, but Generation X, we, we struggled to comprehend it. This doesn't happen. Wars are something that happens in other countries. Terror is what other brown people do to other brown people in other countries. So we don't need to pay attention to the who's and the why's and the what's. We don't. We're safe where we are because we're the biggest and the best and the brightest and American exceptionalism will keep us safe and sound. And then it didn't anymore. But it happened so fast to us, but it was a long, simmering situation that showed up at our door. And then we went out and we just leaned back on what we knew. And that and that ego and that pride and that sense of invincibility, with all that, we charged ahead into the world. We said mission accomplished when we shouldn't have even been on the mission. We said, if you're either with us or against us. And then George Lucas quoted that president in his Star Wars film, and the words came out of the mouth of the ultimate villain in the story, in the saga. So that's where I'm at right now. I have to admit, in almost a sheepish, jokey way, I'm kind of a weirdly obsessed 9-11 guy. I watch every doc I can see, watch new news footage I can see for no other reason than just to hurt myself all over again to see if I can understand it. Almost a morbid of fascination. But this year, I'm really reflecting on everything else around it, and, and we all should not be afraid to do that.
where I was going with some of the Mogelson stuff was, by the way, is this war on terror was not felt by us here in the States. So that sense of invincibility that we had, that we lost, we kind of reinstalled. And a lot of people joined. And a lot of people went over there. And they saw what was going on. The, the never forget crowd that I'm talking about, the group that we need to take never forget back from, they love to prop up Pat Tillman, NFL player, for the Arizona Cardinals as this great American hero. He left his lucrative NFL career. He was one of the best defensive players for the Cardinals. He left to join the military following what happened in 9-11. He goes over there. He's killed in a friendly fire accident. But he, once he got there, was very vocal that maybe we shouldn't be here. And that never forget crowd that we need to take that phrase and that term back from. They love to prop him up as a hero. And they should. I think he's a hero. An exemplary of of what maybe we all should do. Sacrifice for the greater good and the great causes. But that cause he thought he was a part of, he he realized it wasn't. And they they never include that in the conversation. That's never in the memes they post. It's never in the posters they post of remember Pat Tillman. Some of these liberals should do well to remember Pat Tillman. I think most liberals do remember Pat Tillman. Who went on over and realized we shouldn't be here. We didn't feel that. Vietnam was felt by the generations that were on the front lines. The generation on the front line, basically. The draft took that war in a faraway land with people that didn't look like us. And it took it all the way to our doorstep. It picked up that war and it dropped it off in the suburban neighborhoods of America in the 60s and in the 70s. The draft did that. That's why you had so much social upheaval. It was felt. This author, Luke Mogelson, in this book, I Am a Storm, as, as well as some of the interviews in which he talks about this stuff, has said, we didn't feel it. So with that sense of invincibility, so many young men joined up and they went out, and, and women, by the way, I should be clear about that. Sorry. And others. Um, they joined up. They grabbed their flag, they never forget pens, and they joined up and they went to fight. But 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 that was it. There was no draft. I didn't feel it. I wasn't, I wasn't, the war on terror didn't come to Northridge, California. So we're able to go on with our lives and rebuild that sense of invincibility, rebuild that ego and pride that we are untouchable. Why? Because we should be. How dare you come to our doorstep? And the war on terror became this thing on the nightly news, maybe. Then on a website, then on a tweet, then on political debates, And the war on terror became something that we didn't understand and we didn't have to wrestle with and we didn't have to comprehend. We could just send more money into it. It's an enemy to fight and we need this and the money needs to go to the military industrial complex and we we got to go do it and, and and it's out there. So what ended up happening is a lot of those folks that went out to fight that war, um, After a while, they weren't going out for any great cause. They didn't understand the cause. 
The military is a way out for those um, who need a path because of economic reasons and social issues and social reasons. They join up because it's the only way. It's the only thing. It's, it provides a sense of community. It provides a sense of belonging to those around them, those in their squads, those in their platoons, those in their branch. And this reporter was, was, was noticing that after a while, the, the, the violence, and it's violent and it's horrible and it's real, but the violence being, the violence being perpetrated by our country in these other worlds, and the name and the, for this great cause, the War on Terror, now 15, 10, 15, 20 years gone, it was just about some sort of sense of violence. It was just about some sort of sense of power. It was just about, well, because we could and we want to. And so when they got out and they went back and they came back without the proper resources and help around them, they felt alone, isolated. They missed the community that they had, as horrific as it was, and included deaths of people they knew and loved and served with. That sense of community faded away. The sense of power, that sense of violence faded away. And the reason this reporter came back from the Middle East for his life and career, his wife, I think he met his wife over there, he came back to, to cover what was going on around the time of the, the, the COVID pandemic lockdowns because he was seeing the same faces protesting this stuff. And not necessarily literally, but he was seeing the same faces that he saw in the field of battle in the Middle East. They were dressed the same. They looked the same. They act the same. They talk the same. He could see that they had been lacking this sense of involvement, lacking this feeling of power. And they turned their eyes towards now a government telling them to wear masks or suggesting to wear masks and saying we have to come together for a greater cause. And they found a belonging in that. And they found a belonging in those beliefs and a belonging in the ideology that was fueled and continues to fuel so much of that. These cracks had, had started to form. And exacerbated, exacerbated by the 2000 election. I think even earlier with the rise of people like Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh. And from there, it's been festered and, and passed down from now generation to generation. And because we didn't stop as a country to deal, and I understand why, I cheered, I cheered, cheered George W. Bush when he stood ground zero or nearby it and had that bullhorn and was talking and someone says, we can't hear you. And then he says, America can hear you. God, that was a great moment. I loved it. I still do. When George W. Bush, the bulletproof vest on and a secret service agent pretending to be a major league umpire goes to the mound at Yankee stadium to throw out the first pitch of the world series in 2001 and nails a perfect strike down the middle. Man, that was a great moment. A great time and a great minute to be an American. But we, perhaps understandably, didn't slow down to figure out who we are, what had happened, and what we really needed to do versus what we wanted to do. So we got back up and looked out into the world and said, who can we punch? And the cycle of pain, violence, and hate 
continues to go and the world keeps on turning. We didn't start the fire, but for so many years, for so long, a lot of us have lived with the idea that we're definitely not going to try to put it out. And that is what I've been reflecting on this week, 22 years after the horrific day of 9-11. So I do believe, never forget, but also never stop learning, never stop looking inside, and never stop looking for the best way forward. So blathering this week, thank you for listening. You can support on Patreon. You can spread the show around, listen on YouTube, listen on the podcast side. Leave me a comment, like, all those neat things, because I still want to keep doing this. But regardless, if it's just me talking to a camera, into a microphone, and no one listens, these are the things on my mind. And these are the things that I'm blathering about. We'll see you next time here on The Blathering.